This is AgriFutures On Air, brought to you by AgriFutures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. We draw inspiration from many places throughout our lives, but one that has been a source for rural leaders for nearly 30 years is the Australian Rural Leadership Program, which has enhanced the life skills and careers of close to 800 people in that time. The ARLP, as it's known, is a yardstick for leadership development courses and each new cohort of some 30 participants is sponsored by a growing list of public and private organisations. Hello, I'm Chris Brown. AgriFutures Australia has been a sponsor since the beginning of the program and for the past 18 months has supported the participation of Sally Lego. Sally, who is now a Brisbane-based program manager for producer adoption for Meat and Livestock Australia, and she's overseeing a team of seven, has worked for much of her career in Far North Australia. Now, Sally is a bit of an inspiration, and she certainly grabbed the opportunity presented by the Australian Rural Leadership Program with both hands. I caught up with Sally recently at a conference in Wintry Dubbo to chat about her experience and began by asking what she knew about the program before it all began. I was aware of a number of people, I guess, within my work network who had undertaken the Australian Rural Leadership Program and many of them, having completed it, were really enthusiastic that I needed to do it and had suggested that I apply and that, that's probably 10 years ago that I first became aware of the program. I looked into it at the time but I, it wasn't the right time for me to do it at that point and I was you know it was probably late 20s early 30s too so it was you know still a fairly new time during my career but I remember sort of reading up about it and reading some of the people who'd done the ARLP and I met them through the course of my agricultural work in northern Australia and the the piece that always struck me was when I was at the meeting table and sometimes having some fairly heated, I guess, negotiations at times, the ARLP graduates who were at that table saw the bigger picture. They saw beyond just their own organisation or their own immediate needs and could see what we were trying to achieve in a far longer term goal and I thought, wow. That's an attribute I would love to have, that when I go to the meeting table, I'm seeing a far bigger picture and considering that and making decisions by that part. And that was the piece that always struck me. Yeah. That's then when the time was right for me to apply, that was a big motivator. It's an attribute I think we'd all love to have and probably don't know whether we've got or not, really. Yeah. It's not easy to get into. You've got to really qualify. So why do you think you were selected? Look, I remember completing my interview and thinking that is the worst interview I've ever done in my life. I uh, walked away from the interview and I knew the people who were interviewing me and um, we had a bit of a discussion after the interview and they said, oh, you did a great job in the interview. The challenge will be finding the sponsor because each participant in the course is, is sponsored. And when I looked at the list of organisations that normally sponsor, a lot of them were based in southern Australia. And I, at the time I was in Darwin. Um, and had spent, you know, 16 years in the Northern Territory and across Northern Australia. So I sort of looked at the list and went, those organisations aren't really going to know me. Yeah. So I, I may not have a chance here, but I was very fortunate that 
AgriFutures, I'd been sitting on an advisory committee for them and they saw my name on the list and from what I understand jumped at the opportunity to sponsor me, which um, I think was the first boost of confidence I had coming into the program. Um, so let's talk a bit, a bit about your background. You've been up in the, the Territory for 16 years, I think yeah, you said. Um, yeah. So what do you do? So over that period of time, I ran, oversaw a range of research and extension projects for initially the cattle industry. And then for the last three years of my career, I was working across agriculture. So I was working in horticulture, aquaculture, cropping, whole range of industries that I hadn't been involved in for some time. But I guess the, the motivator for me in my work has always been about making sure that producers get benefit from the latest research and that it improves their productivity and profitability and hopefully to the heart enables more families to stay in remote parts of the country and live a really happy and prosperous life. Yeah, that's great. I noticed from the jacket you're wearing in cold old Dubbo this morning <laughs> that it's a Northern Territory government jacket, so I'm yes. assuming you're working for the Northern yeah, Territory. Yeah, so I worked for the Northern Territory Department of Primary Industries, but I also was seconded across to two different CRCs during that time to lead research projects into new technology for the cattle industry. So for six years, I, I led a research project called the Precision Pastoral Management Tools Project. So we developed automatic weighing and drafting for cattle, as well as automatic um, pasture monitoring, pulled it all into one data set and allowed producers then to make data-driven decisions on when to supplement cattle, sell cattle, rotate them through different paddocks and so forth. And that technology, getting it into the hands of producers was game-changing for them. Yeah, I can um, imagine. And when we started that work, that was before there was hashtag ag tech. Yes. So it was a very yes. new space yeah. for everyone. You really are on the cusp of, the, of new technology there. We have to be. The land is too big. There are too few people. And the costs of running those stations are, are ever-increasing. So we have to find other solutions. Yeah. Let's get back to the leadership course. Was it what you expected in terms of how it was run? No, it wasn't what I expected at all. I knew that there would be experiences. I knew that that's what the program was built around, was putting you through a series of experiences. But I just completely underestimated what those were going to be and how powerful they would be in my own learning. And the other thing that surprised me was how quickly I could apply them into my workplace. Please tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I remember, you know, one example was we had a conversation in Perth in our second session around values. And I was always aware of, you know, values. We always did them as part of a strategic plan. and But I never really quite understood that. And we, as part of the learning, were talking about, well, what are your own personal values? What gets you up and out of bed every day? And what are the values of those around you? I found that very interesting and we, and we spoke about how values connect to your behaviours. So I then had an experience where I returned back to my workplace and had an experience where my values were compromised and consequently my behaviour that came out was quite a strong emotional reaction that I had and, you know, maybe not an emotional expression I was overly proud of, but I realised that when my values were compromised... I felt hurt, embarrassed, angry, and that I couldn't continue to work in an environment like that. So that was a really powerful insight for me. And, and for going forward, I look for values in, in an organisation and in those around me 
And if our values align, I know we're going to have a really strong affiliation and a very strong working relationship. So in a way, it helped you analyse your own values and perhaps analyse the organisation's values as well. Yes. Yeah, with, with the ones I work with and others, you know, colleagues, teammates, I realised that values are really important to have set and consequently then to know what the appropriate behaviour is in line with those values. Mm. So you've mentioned a couple of places like Perth and you're here in Dubbo to finish it off. So yeah. there, there seems to be a fair bit of travel involved. Yeah, you know? so the program really is obviously about building leadership in remote, regional, rural Australia, whatever you call it. And as part of that, we go into different communities and and get under the skin of them a little bit to understand, A, what's going on in that community, meet the leaders who aren't always the obvious person standing at the front of the community. It could be someone doing a very roots-up, community-driven type of leadership program. And, and we saw ex- amazing examples of that. We went to Bendigo, which was a, a city that fascinated me. At the time, I was living in Darwin similar cities for population but Bendigo had far more medium-sized businesses, had very low unemployment compared to Darwin but had equally challenging social issues. So it was a wealthy community so you would look at it on paper and go they've got great GDP, low unemployment, this place must be the place to live but when we got under the, the roots of it the community had experienced extreme racism against people of different faiths there was high youth unemployment and youth disengagement and housing was a, was a challenge. So I found that fascinating that on the surface what looked to be a very prosperous city, there are other issues going on that, yeah. that reflected, I guess, the livability of that city. So let's just stay, stay with Bendigo for a moment. What then did you do with that information? So we've, as part of the program, we've been issued with a bit of a challenge by the General Sir Peter Cosgrove to actually mm. develop a project that delivers benefit for our regional communities. And we've actually been looking into the wellbeing or the resilience of rural communities and what's needed. And we're finding that a lot of local communities are making decisions without actually understanding their community. And so we're advocating for a wellbeing measure or a resilience measure for those communities to understand what is it about those communities that they need to help make them more vibrant, thriving, livable cities or, or towns or communities. And so we've been working with a whole host of local councils. We've also been reaching out to a whole host of both national and international organisations who are actually undertaking some of these wellbeing measures and understanding what we could do as... So our course is made up of 35 participants across Australia, what we could do to actually advocate and generate a movement actually calling for the federal government to look at investing in this area for, for rural communities. Yeah, so looking at not just the figures, the raw data of a community, but getting in and getting looking, in looking and at the soul of it, I suppose. That's a beautiful way to describe it, Chris. So understanding how connected do people feel to their community? How connected do they feel to others? Do they feel safe? And do they feel heard? Are their needs being addressed? You could argue regional Australia is booming at the moment. Drought has broken in a number of places. Commodity prices are the highest they've ever been. Yeah, yeah. But here's an example here in Dubbo. Childcare is difficult to get. Housing is difficult to get. 
So that is still a challenge to try and get people to move here because those services aren't there. Yeah. Now, you also travelled overseas. Did you go to Vietnam? No, we didn't. Oh, so we, we were impacted by COVID yeah. um, after our third session. Actually, the reason we were in Bendigo was we were due to go to the East Gippsland in February 2020, but with the bushfires that had occurred over the black summer, we moved to Bendigo, and then two weeks after completing our Bendigo session, the entire country was in COVID yeah. lockdown. Mm. So That's a shame. It, it was a shame, but... What was meant to be a 15-month program has now extended to 22 months. Mm. So we've had to adapt, and any leader's got to adapt to change. Sure. Some of us have realised that it doesn't matter where the backdrop is that we're having these learnings, it's about the experience that we have in the learning. And personally, I saw the, the benefit that to be connected to another group of leaders who are going through similar learnings and experiences and applying it in their own world, to have that connection for another year or so was was a bonus. One of the things that I've just sort of heard of the course, of the whole experience, is the team building side of things. I've always got the impression that it would be putting you into a sort of a boy's own adventure, sending you out into the bush for three days and telling you to get somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> is that how it worked? Very much so. So you, you certainly put through experiences where we go up to the Kimberley for two weeks and you put in some pressure-filled situations yeah. that I guess reveal your natural leadership style and through feedback from your group you actually learn, for me anyway, I learned what my strengths were and how others viewed me and then I received feedback on what I could do to be a great leader which is an incredible gift to receive because I now apply that into the teams I work with. I seek feedback from my teams to find out what am I doing well, what could I be doing better, and encourage them to actually explore what feedback looks like too for them. Let's talk about applying the skills that you've you've learned and or have been revealed to you from the course. What are you going to do with it all? Just going back to your job and being better at your job or do you have further ambitions? I think there's a couple of things that I'd like to start to practice that I'm aware I'm not doing at the moment. One is I'd like to make more time for strategic thinking. So to actually put aside a day or half a day a month to actually sit down and go, right, get out of my day-to-day tasks and, and get up and have a bit of a helicopter view of what's going on and where I need to take my program. But also I think we had some fantastic presenters here with us here in Dubbo this week who were doing work that was incredibly purpose-driven and they put a lot of passion into their work and they also spoke about beyond just that for their day-to-day work they also talked about how they focus on having a fulfilled life and I thought that was incredibly insightful and something that I would also like to do is think about well what does a fulfilled life and a purposeful life look like for me for the next 40 or 50 years if I'm lucky yeah Yeah, that's going to take some time to think about but it's a great challenge to be posed I think the other other thing that I'm realizing too is speaking to alumni of the ARLP they certainly highlight that this is not the end of your learning this is actually only the start Um, it's kind of like having maybe glasses put on if you had bad vision and it's sharpened up what you can see now it's time to apply what you've learnt and keep learning as you apply those learnings. Do you see at least part of your future in a community service? I think so, yeah. And I think in my work, I guess I've 
always viewed that I serve the people sure. who I value. Yeah, but of course you do. Um, yeah. And so I don't, yeah, I don't see that it changes any differently. It may be who is that community that I'm serving. I don't know at this point, to be perfectly honest, but I think it's opened my eyes up on, on what I now know, the skills that I have, and what I could achieve if I went out and took it on. Well, Sally, thank you very much for talking to me about it. I've always looked on that course with envy over the years. So congratulations on doing so well and getting so much out of it. Thank you very much, Chris, and thank you for the great questions. Sally Ligo and a great opportunity awaits a new crop of leaders in 2021-22. Applications open on July 4 and run to August 29. Now, I was in Dubbo attending the National Renewables in Agriculture Conference where I got the chance to chat with some of the leaders in the development of the renewable energy industry in Australia and also some very early adopters of the technology on farm. I even caught up with someone who's convinced scepticism over electric utes is a complete furphy. Stay listening for those stories over the coming weeks. My name is Chris Brown and you've been listening to AgriFutures On Air, which you can subscribe to anywhere you get your podcasts. You've been listening to AgriFutures On Air, a weekly podcast brought to you by AgriFutures Australia. AgriFutures Australia.